0: Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for December 6th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson.
1: Uh, I'm Cameron Walsh.
0: Um, This week, we are going to try to figure out how to fix the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: Like we try to do every week, basically. (laughs) It's very funny.
0: um, They're on their West Coast, California swing. They beat the San Jose Sharks. And tonight or this afternoon, depending on where you were, Lost to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, they scored a few goals, but nothing really too promising. They they were pretty much caved in by Los Angeles. I think the better team won that game. So.
1: But the thing is, though, did, did they beat San Jose? Or did San Jose beat themselves? And it's the argument that you have come up a fair bit lately with Pittsburgh is that Are they winning games or are the other teams losing games? Like I know when Pittsburgh were dominant possession-wise a lot of years, usually the games that they lost, they lost themselves more so than the other team beating them. At the moment, it feels as though when Pittsburgh are winning games, they're not really winning them. The other team are making errors and Pittsburgh are taking advantage of it. And you don't get that luxury with LA. They don't make a lot of mistakes.
0: No, and to go back to the... The previous game, San Jose game. I mean, Pittsburgh was a 37% possession team that game. That doesn't strike me as uh, <coughs> a team that's controlling the flow of the play. And it was a 5-1 to game, so you're thinking, well, maybe score effects a little bit there. Uh, but it was a 2-1 game going into, I believe, the third period. And the first two periods, uh, San Jose clobbered them too, so it wasn't just a score effects thing. No, now, all right. now, now, mind you... You get outplayed and you win the game. Hey, very good. You'll you you will take that result. But when you're thinking and, larger scope, bigger picture, yeah, eh, not not great.
1: And that's and, and that's where I think the coaching staff have got to be really careful with with what's going on on the ice. They're winning games, and and, and I think I've said this numerous times before. This team isn't where they want to be. I I don't think. Um, and, and they're winning games to give them time to try and work out what they are. But um, for those people that try to tell me that Chris Letang is not important to this team, uh, looking at what happened, like I watched the entire game today and you if you cannot skate that puck out of that back end, then you can't go anywhere against that LA team because you can't go through them because they're so big. So you're not going to physically force your way through their forecheck. You can't. So you either have to have defensemen that can – pass quickly, and skate quickly after they've got rid of the puck to help support the forwards. And without Latang in the lineup, they have no one on that roster that can do that. For as good as Brian Dumoulin's being this year, he doesn't have that physical asset that Latang has in his foot speed. He just doesn't have that ability. So you, you sit there with it, and it was a perfect illustration of a team not being able to generate any offense with a bunch of offensive talent because they couldn't get the puck.
0: And la is tremendous at shot suppression they their their game is prevention more than generation you can tell that because for years their shooting percentage is not great but their um, possessions great and a, a big part of that is how la plays in the neutral zone and and how they uh, just kind of they're really good at not allowing the other teams to gain speed through the neutral zone um, it's just you're right. You need skating players from the back end to make that work. I think LA is what Mike Johnston thinks his team is trying to play defensive and sacrificing the offense for it. Um, But LA are
1: a success. You're right. LA are success, a successful at that. LA is number two. And dropping shots. Yeah, I agree.
0: And Pittsburgh's 26th. So stop trying to be like LA. Start trying to be like Dallas. Um, you you were just talking about the defense. Uh, what do you wanna start there? How how what kinda of maybe mild tweaks or alterations can can the team do?
1: Oh, easy. What? Get Latang back in the lineup, drop Skideri, leave Warovsky in the lineup. He's fine. He's going to make areas because he's not used to the pace of the game. He's gonna make areas because he's not probably a legit NHL defenseman, but he's better than Skideri. This I'm saying that about a guy that's playing what his second game in the NHL at the NHL level, or at least the second with this franchise. He, it's oh, we keep going back to that one player that causes problems. But he does the entire. There was a goal that Christian Ehrhoff scored on Fleury that Fleury should have had if Fleury could have seen the puck. And all Skideri did was Flamingo try to block it, just kept his momentum skating backwards.
0: That was a good
1: uh, Erhoff, Erhoff did a brilliant job of waiting and waiting and waiting until he could see Skideri was in Flirie's line of sight and then shot the puck. And we all know Erhoff's got a rifle of a shot. So it was a really, really smart shot. But for crying out loud, that is not what you do in that situation.
0: I thought uh, that was a nice little microcosm of the year. Uh, Erhoff, who makes, what, one... <clears throat> 1.5 million, playing that for another team, list. scoring a goal that on is, them, and a night where none of the list. Penguin defenders could push the puck up and make controlled plays.
1: But he's not, he has not consistently made that LA lineup either. And it was one of the complaints that uh, me as a, a fan of the Penguins had is they just couldn't get him into the lineup. Now, I know that's no one's fault, but it is one of the negatives of Christian Erhoff but you would still rather have him at 1.5 mil and be able to carry the puck and do stuff with it than what you've currently got with some of the guys on that roster. Now, you, you can't... It's quite obvious that the, the management can't do anything in regards to getting Skideri off the books. It just can't happen. So it comes down to the coaching staff deciding who is in their best six on that back end, and it really concerns me in regards to why they think Skideri should be out there in the, at the moment. It's just baffling. Uh, well,
0: I don't know, Cam. I mean... Apparently there's enough people that think he's all-star worthy.
1: (laughs) It's the John Scott effect.
0: But um, there are things they can do without making trades right now that would make the team better. You can't control um, Chris Letang being out in the short term. No, of course not. I mean, he's not having a great year, but he's still their best guy
1: I didn't think it was even relevant prefacing that fact. He's not having a good year by his standards. He's still their best defenseman in that six.
0: Some people as need to as, hear
1: that, though. As good as 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 good as Dumoulin's been, um, and has, as well as Lovejoy has played up to where he should be playing, that still doesn't make either of those two defensemen as good as Latang. That's the reality. This offense runs through Latang. If he's... If we get there and we say, why is Sid struggling? And there are other re- reasons for that. If Latent can't get that puck out of the zone when he's paired with Malkin and Crosby, both of those lines struggle. It's as simple as that.
0: Um, I am mildly optimistic that when LeTank
1: gets back with Mata back,
0: that pairing should be okay. Yes?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mata, look, this is the thing. I don't know what the numbers... I haven't bothered to look at the nubs. I didn't want to.
0: Well, none of, them are, looked, none of them are good for for the payouts. No,
1: but Marta, Marta looked good. He, he did. He looked okay. He, he took hits in situations where it looked like he was avoiding them um, before he, he got KO'd by Niederreiter. Um, so he, he will be fine. He's never been a, a, a fast skater, but he reads the play well. He looked like he was getting back in the flow of it. He was paired with Ian Cole. I would almost be tempted to sit Cole if... And when Latang comes back, because oh, they're not going to sit Skedari, okay, that's obvious. Okay. okay. I was, was going to say. Yeah, I would sit. I would sit in call. That's who I would. That's who I would take out of the lineup. Okay, so
0: I'm going to discuss some of the things that I would do, not what I think they will do.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that.
0: <laughs> I would, I would play um, Latang and Mata, and Puliat. I would stop trying to pretend like I'm sending a message to a kid, uh, whatever. Uh, they, they need his skill set. They cannot generate enough offense this year. They are bad. They're not playing good defensively. So even if you want to uh, make the assessment that Derek Pouliot needs work defensively, the Penguins are one of the worst defensive teams in hockey right now. So why not? get somebody that can generate, at least, because the status quo is they're not preventing either, so call him up, he has a very good skill set, and let him play, let him learn on the fly, whatever that Halloween uh, disorderly conduct or whatever, you know, if they're trying to send a message because of that, because he didn't come into camp um, in the shape that he should have been in, that needs to be gone by the wayside if they, they truly... Care about functioning as a team right now because he's, in my opinion, a better option for for what they need right now.
1: Yeah, and it's it's I. You get all these quotes from the the mainstream media in regards to the coaching staff saying that you know we're playing better defensive structure. We're being a more defensive responsible team. Why doesn't any of them sit there and in the press conference go, how can you tell us that when you guys are giving up this many shots and this many high quality shots? Why don't they actually put the case to them to say your back six and the way you're structuring your five people on the ice is not actually suppressing shots. It's not. All it's doing is suppressing your ability to produce shots for your own team. And, And, the solutions you've come with up with thus far is basically the Dallas model, like you and I have said previously. You can't stop shots. Who cares? Just let the guys that can score fly and just win games 5-4. You've got to
0: own the... what you are. at The sta- the status quo with the players they have within their uh, organization, that's the way you got to go about it right now. Now, if you want to yeah. make some trades and, and change the dynamic a little bit, <laughs> I'm willing to reassess depending on who those players are and going from there. But right now, to pretend that you're some, we're going to play 200 foot defense hockey and and that's what we're, you're not. You suck at it, and now our superstars suck because of it. And that's alarming because everybody's numbers are down. Everybody's numbers from an offensive standpoint and a possession standpoint are down. This is not working. And quite frankly,. You're not going to win that San Jose Sharks game too many times. I'm shocked they got three goals against LA with the uh, for the lack of
1: push that they were able to make just, today. Just so you know, they could have won that game as well. By the way, Kessel what? had two nets that he probably should have hit today. Uh, and and LA game you're talking? Yeah, they could they could have they really could have won that game. Well,
0: like, well this is the, thing. The, the problem with playing that game is. You could make some real significant arguments for L.A. and some of the Marc-Andre Fleury saves that were penalty shot, um, that kind of stuff as well. No,
1: I get that. What I'm saying is, though, that Kessel, like, it's the problem. I suppose it's the problem. It is. It's that dichotomy of that game should have been a five-zip wipeout at the start by the end of the first period. Flurry has kept this team in games all year that they should not have been in, right? Yeah, so he's, if you're going, he's doing great. Yeah, if you're going to run with the theory that Flurry's finally got his his gear together in that he can do what he's been doing on a consistent basis, why not put the team, the rest of the team, in a situation to succeed? Because if you're going to change and wreck everyone else's production to try and shore up what your however much he's getting paid, goaltender is getting paid, trade him. Because the rest of the team is suffering because of him. And I don't think that actually needs to happen. I think they should structure the team to suit what the rest of the team can do. If he sees fewer shots, he's going to save. He's going to save a lot of them anyway. The ones that he hasn't been saving, are the ones he can't see. He hasn't let in very many leaky goals this year, and it's it's been a really nice change. Yeah. so open it up a little bit trust the fact that the guy's going to make the saves that you want him to make and give the rest of the team an opportunity to do stuff they can't get out of the zone at the moment the Penguins' best consistent line was um, Cullen, uh, Cullen Plotnikov and Eric Fair they were the three most consistent forwards out there on the ice all game and they were actually capable of getting deep enough into the defensive zone to get the puck forward, but then they managed to trap it down there. They work really well together as a unit. Crosby is on an island; he has got nobody that can help. Uh, well, we will we'll talk
0: at extent when we get to the yeah, forward part. But they
1: did—they did change a partner, and he did look better all of a sudden, yeah. which is Jeez, amazing. Go, 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 figure. Go figure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's. I'll have fun addressing that
0: in a bit, but...
1: I know. Everybody knew this team's problem was going to be the back end. I legitimately thought that the coaching staff would go, all right, we've got an awesome forward crew this year. We've actually got depth. We can roll them all out. How about we try and and let them ride the wave of that skill? And they haven't... They have not given them a chance to do that at all.
0: Okay, so Letang Mata, I'm calling Pooley up. Yeah. 'Cause you, you spoke highly of Warzowski, but I, I don't want him as part of this equation. No, no offense that's... to him, no offense to him. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Um, Adam Clendenning. Complicated here. I think he mm-hmm. should have been playing more the entire season so far. Played really well with Ian Cole for about three games, like they were leading yep. the team in possession each of those three games.
1: And then they had They the, had uh, a three
0: game stretch yeah. of being really bad. But It's that recency bias or or, uh, cognitive bias of he made a really bad turnover in that one game, yeah. and and the coaching staff remembers that is the play, and he's fighting to get back into the lineup because of that. But Rob Scuderi is immune to these. Like, he does a lot of things that are just as bad. There was a – was it the San Jose game? I know they only scored one goal, but – Rob Scuderi made a play, a really crappy play, where he just, he didn't make, his foot speed slowed him down, he didn't, um, wasn't able to open up any passing lanes or anything, and he just got rid of it. And the other team just took the puck and rammed it back down their throat for a goal. And it's like, well, you know, that isn't as obvious as whatever uh, Eric Clendenning that turnover Clendenning made. Do you know the turnover I'm talking about?
1: Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Clinton got there and and tried to make a creative play right next to his goaltender. And it didn't work. No, that's the error he made, as opposed to Scuderi, who literally just wants to get the puck out of the zone so that um, he can say he's cleared the puck out of the zone and has got no chance for his force to do anything with the puck. I would much rather see errors made trying to get the forwards the puck with speed than have them try to collect the puck off the boards. So this and, is a real
0: big difference, like, my approach yeah. versus what they're kind of looking at. I will live with that bad Clendenning mistake, even if a goal was scored on it. If it means so many of the other things happening the way they should be, then, all right, it didn't go in, and it didn't go in again, but we can't generate anything because there's no controlled exits. Yeah. Um, I, 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 just to, I think we could end the topic on... Skidarius, is he can't play. Stop playing him. That's not what's realistic. But that would be the first thing I would do is just stop, stop, stop with that.
1: <laughs> so, but, so are you wanting to are you wanting to pair Pulleyott and Clendinning? Is that what you're wanting to do? With I book? have only thought as
0: far as the first pairing, as far as personnel. I would probably leave
1: Dumoulin with Lovejoy for now. So does that mean you going Pulleyott and Cole? Yes. Is, uh, you see, this is the thing. There's enough depth there for yeah, there to. But
0: if to be, out because Pouliot's playing, I can live with that. I, I just can't but, tolerate the Scuderi thing.
1: But should. And, but this is the argument, though. If you're going to bring Pouliot up, I would be happy with what Cole has provided this year. Has been less than I was expecting. He's played higher up in the lineup than I was expecting to have to though as well. So you can give and take him that.
0: Play him as the bottom but, pairing to start.
1: Yeah, but so for me, I, I would if you're going to pair it up, I would have Clendinning and Pouliot as the bottom pairing, and put them in as many offensive. Who you who, um, you who you taking out? I, I would I would do what you I would do what you were doing. I would go uh, tank I would go uh, Skideri. Ah oh, Skideri. I would go uh, Lovejoy. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I would go Lovejoy and Dumoulin, and I would go um, Clendinning and Pouliot.
0: So Cole and would, would be run- out.
1: Correct, and I would rotate those three you along gotta, that. You got to get the Ian Cole going, though. No, no, I get, I get that. So maybe sit Clinkinning with Pouliot, and then rotate the three of them through. You've still got what have we got? Fifty games to go. That is enough yeah, time. That is right. enough time to work out what is going on with those those three players. It is perfectly clear that Dumoulin and, and Lovejoy like playing together. They have their problems, but they're not a top-pairing defenseman, so you realize that that's going to be a, an issue. But they play well together, so okay. don't screw with something okay. that works.
0: They're, they're just okay. And some people think they've been really, really good. I, I just think they're they're okay.
1: They are! But if you can end up with that pair as your bottom pairing because you have Pugliot playing like a top-four defenseman, which his ceiling is... Along with either Cole or Clendinning and Kleninig, well, and Cole was a was a first round draft pick, projected to be a top four defenseman. So if you can get them going, the the ceiling is so much higher than a Scuderi who is just limiting errors.
0: Yeah. So I think our thing here, and whether it's realistic or not, <laughs> promote, realistic. promote promote promote. <laughs> Promote Derek Pouliot, who has 14 points in 18 AHL games so far since he's been sent down, and to cease to play Rob Scuderi. And go from there. And go from there.
1: Yeah. So that's just defense. Find, find a combination out of that, that. that. Is it seven or eight? Find and, a combination. And, and out we're of
0: talking about what they have in the organization now. There, of course, could be trades made, but we're not going to speculate on that end of things today.
1: No. And the, the other thing is, we didn't even mention Worowski, who was yeah. fine in yeah. that game. No, no, no. You, you, this is the thing, though. You, meh, it's exactly right. But he's still an infinitely better option than the one that they're running with right now. Like, if, if Latang has to sit for a couple of weeks, right, I would still prefer to see them bring Clendinning into the lineup and sit Scuderi than what they're running with at the moment. Okay. Fair. That's all. Fair. Like, yeah. Speaking of fair, move on to the forwards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That was pretty good. Well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> a lot of talk about Sidney Crosby this year, yes? Uh, just a tiny bit. So the last seven games, he has eight points and four goals. He's coming on. He's still really good. Bad start to the year. Still a really good player. I think there's a combination of age-related uh, regression, not heavily, but I think there's some coaching systematic things that are holding him back. And most of all, quality of teammate has been holding him back. Uh, we talked about Rob Scuderi being the the option that we needed the to, to, to kind of not play anymore, and I'm throwing that onto Pascal Dupuis on the forward front. I don't want to see him playing... Uh, at least for the near future i think he needs to to take a timeout he's he's, he's consistently running. their worst forward on a lot of nights and
1: he's just uh, running on fumes he's, no. he he was
0: 16% possession tonight
1: yeah he's just lost that step that made him that gave him the ability to make up for his lack of hands to play this hit and that and that's understandable considering yeah
0: what he's yeah. gone through but yeah. he was 26% against uh, San Jose. So he's given up 17 shot attempts against the Sharks, and he gave up 20 shot attempts tonight against L.A. That We're playing 200-foot
1: hockey, are we? <laughs> I mean, come on. And the funniest thing is, once uh, there was a line change, because the coaching staff started shuffling the lines up, it's amazing how much better Sid looked when he finally had someone that could get to the cycle with him. And it's not a fast skater. But Bennett knows how to get it's to where he needs to be. not slow either. Go. No, no, no. I, I know. But he's not. He's, he's not, not fast. You're right. Quick. That's fair. <laughs> he's, he's not. But you don't have to be if you know where to go. Chris Kunitz, for many a year, is not what I would call lightning fast. I, but he's not slow. He's
0: always been quick, though.
1: Yeah, but he's not slow. But his brain could get him where he needed to be. The thing of late, though, has been his hands have had disappeared. He start it looks. Nice the goal, last game, Yeah. The last two games, it looks like he's started to get his, his feel back for how to get the puck to where it needs to be. And the Penguins need him to do it. It's so perfectly obvious they're here's gonna where happen. I stand with the top
0: six. Sid and Gino aren't going anywhere. Phil Kessel's not going anywhere. No. Those are the three, right? Yep. You've got to really stop making choices with the lineup based on reputation from years past. You need to start to experiment with different players. Uh, Bo Bennett is a very controversial player in the Penguins fan base. I have always been on his side. I think the injury stuff has driven his shortcomings to this point. We're starting to see him play more and more games, and I think we're starting to see that, wow, he's got a good mind for it. People always call him soft, which I never agreed with. You see him finishing checks all the time. He's
1: fragile. He's not soft.
0: No, he's willing to play tough. It just His body has not agreed with it. But I wish he would almost stop chasing... Hits, uh, yeah. The meaningless hits. Where it's not for puck possession. Like the puck's gone and he finishes his hit. Not dirty finishing his hit, but like, you know, I'd rather him just... Not engage physically there and
1: work his way back up the ice. Well, but- he's 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 never good, he's never going to get that opportunity because Rick Tockett is the power play coach and therefore the forward coach. What do you think he's going to be impressing on every single player on that roster? Finish your check. Finish your check. Finish your check. You're right. I, there are there are a few players that are doing that pointless hit rather than get back into the play so you can help with the forecheck. They're going for that that pointless hit where it doesn't need to be made and it's because of the the voice that's giving that each single time so
0: for the penguins three goals against the kings bo bennett was buzzing the net front for all three of them i think one of them he was there but it, there was really no impact on on. The, i think it was the kunitz goal kunitz just ripped it from a great pass from crosby Yep. But the other two, he timed a good screen, which disrupted quick a little bit. So he's, for all the soft talk, he's going to, quote-unquote, the, the ugly a dirty places. area. I think his hands are great. They're not um, hands where he's going to go end-to-end and, and dangle people. I, I just think he does a really great job of controlling the puck and making area passes and... Combining that with his hockey IQ. Something that Sid's just been sorely lacking. Pascal Dupuis has never provided that. But it's worked because of the things you mentioned. His speed's always been tremendous. Uh, His work ethic's tremendous. That still is good, but the results... He just can't keep up anymore. And even with Hornquist as a right winger, I would argue the way he's playing this year, similar thing. Not very good at um, making controlled plays. Sid is on an island when he's below the goal line offensively the last few games when they've gone with uh, the the KCD line and even earlier in the year with Hornquist because Hornquist doesn't support Sid. He just goes right to the front of the net. And while while sometimes that's a good play, it can't be an all-the-time play. It's like chocolate chip cookies. There are sometimes food, not an (laughs) all-the-time food.
1: But he's... He's, he's house and cookies is basically what's happening. <laughs> you you have kids. Um, yes. You, you get there with that, though, and I just wonder whether Hornquist could work with Crosby if he had somebody like a Bennett or uh, somebody with some foot speed, i.e. like a Sprong, who could play on that other side that could get to the cycle to allow Hornquist to basically sit where he wants to sit, which yeah. is... On on the net, or are we going to have to just scrub the Hornquist thing altogether and have him play as a third-line winger and and have Crosby with a completely different mix up front?
0: I'm going to be flat-out honest. I think they should use Hornquist as their trade piece.
1: Yeah, I got that feeling you were starting to head to that direction over the last couple of weeks with that.
0: Um, he doesn't mesh as well with Sid as I think people thought that was when they were getting quality left wing play. He's he's a third wheel complementary piece, a very popular one, but his perceived value is higher than that of a third wheel complementary piece. So yep. you kind of it's that asset management part of operating a salary cap. I'd rather continue to we'll put it this way, before you make a, a hornquist trade of any magnitude can we please see Bo Bennett with Sidney Crosby for an extended five to seven game period of time to see if it's even a thing Uh, showing any signs like tonight there were signs of, okay, this is working pretty okay, but that could be a
1: fluke. Let's see it for seven games or so. But the last time they played them together, they looked pretty okay as well. So you do need that consistency to see whether it is a fluke or whether there's something there. So I
0: want to see that, and I'm comfortable... I, I think it will work. I, I like. It's just a matter... I think Bennett will start to stay a little bit healthier. He'll miss games here and there. They all do, for the most part. Uh, but Hornquist is the chip. I don't think there's any arguing that. That, well, the, that, the, that has value and that you have uh, expendable. So for all the people that talk about how do we get Daniel Sprong in the lineup as a right winger, you have to create that spot moving a guy like Hornquist creates that spot and uh, I think that's kind of a thing they don't have super solid left wing play going on right now. I think David Perron's been a little bit better but not great. I,
1: I well See that that's the dig for me. I think I think Perron has had his really bad moments this year where he's he's looked disinterested just cuz he's not been able to provide the I think the he's effort. frustrated. Oh, Dick, you're exactly right. He went out of his way to put in a whole heap of work over the off season and has not seen the reward for that in a contract year where he's going to want uh, money. He's almost playing himself out of it at the moment. So you, you do sit there and, and, and wonder what his frustration levels would be at. But he seems to be doing everything right. It just needs to start falling into place. And I've said it many times on this podcast. I don't really care what's going on right now. It's the last 10 games of the year the team needs to be clicking. So that's why I get frustrated when the coaching staff aren't moving chess pieces on the board to see what the results are going to be like for when you get to the end of the year.
0: And David Perron is a career 12.2% shooter. He's at 75 this year, so
1: much lower. Get him to the, Get him to his average when he gets to the end of the year. That's one of those things. You want to prime these players or the, the complementary plays, you need them primed at the right time of the year. You, you want guys like Sid and Gino and Latang and Fleury to carry the team. That's what you pay them the money for. They need to be the foundation, Wayne Kessel, I suppose. Yeah, they, they pay your time. They have, yeah, they have to produce for you, right? So you're going to have guys like Perron that go up and down throughout the year in regards to their production. Same with Hornquist. They go up and down throughout the year. That's just how it works with those complementary pieces. That's why they're complementary. You just have to make sure that they're ticking at the right time of the year. But if you don't shift the lineup around and try and find out who works with who, you're not going to know where you want them to be come the last 10 games of the year to push into the playoffs and play well.
0: I would further um, kind of go outside the box with my lines, depending on... You want want there, don't you? Yeah, I want to put him on the left wing and see what he can do there. You have two third-line centers right now. Eric Fair and Nick Bonino.
1: Like, technically Matt Holland could be a third-line as
0: well in a pinch. So. Yeah, so you have an excess there. Nick Bonino um, for at least a, a short bit, played with Getzlaff and Perry on the left wing. He has great skill set for a winger. He's really good in uh, small spaces with his hands, yeah. And a lot of playing wing defensively is being flat-footed, having hands to make plays into space. I think he could really play the old Chris Kunitz role and, and free up Sid, or Gino flying through, leaving it to spots as opposed to tape-to-tape passes. Not that tape-to-tape passes are bad, but they're the other teams obviously, believe it or not, try to take that away. Maybe. Um, <laughs> But there are other ways to get the puck to people with speed, and I think Bonino is one of those players that can definitely do that. Uh, so then you're – and fair, yeah, third-line center.
1: Yeah. Uh, Platonov
0: is an interesting development
1: in all of this. That, and, and this is the other thing. I, I get there, and, and I know they like to try and think that they want to work in pairs. The coaching staff has made that clear that's how they want to work.
0: Yeah,
1: I <laughs> Whatever.
0: I, I get yeah. that, and I'm not. I do that as a coach sometimes too. But I, when you have to scrap it, you gotta scrap it, and you gotta just, all right, that was great in theory, but it's not in practice.
1: And it will, you have to adjust. Have to, yeah, and like they, they're gonna have to with with this, I think. But the the issue with making that change that you want to is that it would break up what I would call a successful uh, trio at the moment. Plotnikov has looked great playing with with Cullen and and fair. He's got to the right spots. He's suddenly worked it out. It's almost like uh, Cullen and and Eric Fair, whilst they're not slow, they're not lightning. And I think Plotnikov can keep up with them in, in that sense in his brain. He's, he's quick enough with his feet, but his brain isn't quite up to speed with the NHL level at the moment. And it looks as though he could be a good third or fourth line winger, and that's fine for what they're paying him. I know people wanted him to come in and, and, and be that left wing for Juno and have Perron play the left wing for I was Sid- never a believer that that was going to play out like that. but. No, but you know that's what the expectations were coming into the year. So getting him to fill in that role the way he has um, has forced a guy like Bobby Farnham out of the lineup. You know what I mean? And Brian Rust out of the lineup. And Plotnikov, for me, actually does have some hands. He's just snakebit at the moment. He's hitting goaltenders in the chest.
0: Yeah, pretty much. So, what I'm looking at right now, I just kind of finally jotted down just a draft of forward lines. I would I would try, and yes, I know Kunitz scored a he, he scored a really nice goal. That was a nice shot. Uh, but I would try Benino with Crosby and Bennett. I would keep the uh, Malkin line together. Yep. I would have Kunitz, Fair, and Hornquist. Yep. And, or depending on Kunitz uh, let 61 pop up there so mm-hmm. between who's playing well or not uh, Plotnikov Kunitz uh, on a little bit of a um, you know rotation there and Cullen can center um, either one of those two and this leads into kind of I think our next uh, t- topic for the forwards I would have Daniel Sprong play some fourth line right wing right wing minutes to start and I know a lot of people are very heated about the Daniel Sprong thing, why are they uh, not playing him and all this and that alright, he hasn't played in a while he's not being thrown on the top line I don't think that's fair to him I don't think that's a realistic thing the coaches are even going to do start him there and give him second power play time right off the bat Fourth line minutes, second power play time. Let's start to reevaluate. Let Pascal Dupuis go on the back burner for a little bit. Starts playing well. Well, we'll reevaluate where up and down the lineup he can go. Yeah. But I was um, on the Garage League podcast with Lyle and Andy Smith. They made a point that there's a a 40-game benchmark that I was unaware of. And maybe the Penguins, I don't know. It's just speculation on all three of our parts that perhaps they're slow playing it so they don't hit that contract thing. And maybe we'll start to see them more the second half of the year.
1: That would make sense to me. And I'd be okay with that because they're hedging their bets towards the tail end of the year, trying to get a guy into the lineup. Like, if they start playing him at game... Would it be? It'd have to be game 55 to 60. That'd keep him under the 39 that I think he needs to be, or it needs to be 39 he plays as opposed to 40. And then there's that cut off point. If they go and do it that way, then they're going to get the benefit of having the young kid in the lineup. They'll have enough time to work out where he fits in the lineup and run from there. And
0: I'm still a believer. I, I'm, I think it's better for him to be in the NHL doing what they're doing right now than playing in the queue. Yep. Um, for people that think that Daniel Sprung's going to be super pissed off about, you know, he's not City. playing. Yes, there is certainly going to be frustration. You as a player, you want to play. I will say this, though. He is making an NHL paycheck every single game where he would not (laughs) be making that playing junior hockey. So he's doing just fine, making money, practicing against men. And I think we'll start to see him more as the year goes on. And if they go the route of my Hornquist idea, that creates a spot. So... That would um, be kind of some of my thoughts about the forwards. I, I I just think my major thing would be, God bless him, but Pascal Dupuis has not been playing well enough to stay in the lineup. Uh, if you if you strip away all the, you know, whatever, right,
1: everything else, uh, yeah,
0: his play does not merit a spot in the lineup right now. I would put Sprong on the fourth line and uh, give him a few looks here and there.
1: It's it's one of those things where it does show you the depth the Penguins were getting when they won the cup in the Dupuis was a fourth line left winger when they won it in 0-9. nine. We're now Sorry? And no, Shat yeah. But you get there and you look down the lineup, it's set, it'll be seven years down the track from that win when they get to the playoffs. And you're asking a guy of his age who's just come off a knee operation to be able to skate the same rate that he was back then. And it, it, it's it's asking too much. He's a great story coming back from what he's come back from. But it feels as though Mike Johnson is too young of a coach to want to tell some of these guys, I'm sorry, but you've got to sit. Inexperienced. He's not yeah. young. Yeah. He's young in the NHL. Yeah, but not young. Yeah. And you get there with it and it's like, it almost feels as though he's come from junior where he's held sway with all the players and now he comes here and he feels intimidated by um, the experience of some of these guys. It's like, I can't see anybody out there that can watch these Penguins games and legitimately think that Rob Scuderi is doing a good job at what he does.
0: Well, I just can't see. I've heard other people make this point and I agree with it. Mike Johnston is coaching. He knows this is his shot at a head coach in the NHL, and he knows that losing close games is better than getting blown out. So that's why you get this two hundred foot defense mindset, the playing it, it have, safe. So you're kind it it didn't of didn't have you know, it last year, though. I know that's the frustrating part.
1: That's that's the bit that that's the bit that I don't get. But they've changed. He's admitted they've made changes to what they're doing this year. Yeah, and... I know. And he's not going to change out of it because they're winning. Like I, I, I get that aspect of it. You get there and you look at the results, and this team is above 500 wins to loss ratio. Um, they're winning games uh, that a lot of people think that they shouldn't be winning, but they're winning them. So... With everything you've got around the background of it, I can understand why he doesn't want to change away from what he's doing. It's like, well, what we did last year, we didn't win. Well, here's the the problem.
0: They got Anaheim tomorrow, who I think is a good team, bad start. They do get Colorado, so that's good.
1: Yep.
0: But then they get L.A. again. But then they don't see L.A. again for the rest of the year. (laughs) But they get L.A. now. Then they get Washington. And then they get Boston twice. Who's Boston? Um, I, you know, we were pretty pretty tough on them in the uh, offseason,
1: I would say, right? Uh, we crucified them, and they're doing much better than I expected. I have no complaints about saying that. But it feels like to me that they're playing above their roster, but I could they're be wrong. That they're 6-2-2 be... two two in their last 10,
0: Yeah,
1: and they are 5th in their division
0: right now. But they are one point behind Florida with two games at hand. So they're definitely in the playoff mix and doing better, I think, as we said, than we
1: thought they would do. And doing much better than I would. That's so basically you're hedging towards this to say that the next spate of games that are coming along are gonna to be tough. They're against teams that are probably gonna own the puck more than Pittsburgh. And that's gonna be the reality. They're gonna think Pittsburgh are gonna to have to hope that teams shoot their way out of wins because their shooting percentage is bad, as opposed to to winning.
0: And then they get Carolina and Columbus, who I don't think is very good, but they clearly, there's some emotional stuff going on there.
1: Pittsburgh can't afford to lose games this year against teams they should beat. That includes the Columbus games that they've lost this year. That includes the Edmonton game that they've lost this year. You look at those games, and they're going to be the difference between Pittsburgh getting third in the division and Pittsburgh getting the wildcard spot or missing the playoffs altogether. Because there are teams that are just going to absolutely cave in on Pittsburgh this year. They're going to absolutely destroy them possession-wise, and Fleury's not going to be brilliant every night. He's human. So there are going to be games where they're going to get beaten and get absolutely blown out. They can't afford to lose the games that they should win. I don't have that luxury this year.
0: They have a stretch in January, fast-forwarding. They have a back-to-back with Chicago, which should be pretty cool. A home-and-home, home, back-to-back nights. That would have huh? Right. But they also have the Islanders, Montreal, Tampa,
1: St. Louis, and Washington that month as well. Actually, speaking of Tampa... What version of Tampa Bay are we going to get come the tail end of the year? Because they seem like a mental mess at the moment. They've just resigned Cooper, so they've committed to Cooper, yet they've not been able to commit to Stamkos. It legitimately feels like they're going to trade Stamkos at the deadline because he's not going to walk.
0: Simple. They're we, not going. To- didn't we say this last week? We did. We should have
1: a Tampa podcast. Yeah, it's, just, it's one of those things. Because you, you lumped Tampa into that run of games. And the start of the year, I would legitimately get there and go, yeah, you don't really want to run through that lump of games. But that Tampa team at the moment is just I don't so... Think, I, I still don't think they're playing Druin, if I read that correctly. So you've got a coach that is literally ruling the roost in that locker room, which is perfectly fine. But you can tell that he's got his favorites that he's gravitating towards because he grew up as a coach with those players and he's putting a lot of faith and trust in them which is fine again but if you've got Druin who every time he has played has looked good his points per 60 is his yes, points fantastic. per 60 are great all the yeah, time yeah exactly so, and he's another example of a young kid that obviously has defensive shortcomings but he's not going to learn them sitting there watching them from the press box all the time there comes a point where Practical application has to just set in, and you just live and die by the sword with it.
0: There comes a point where the offense kicks ass, and the defense, while not excellent, is really not that that bad
1: to see yeah. a guy
0: that has that kind of upside. Have a look at Dallas for crying out loud. Their oh, defense geez. is... Their our, defense. Our, our theme of this year is going to be, just be like Dallas. And you know what? Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say. Teams like Dallas don't win the Stanley Cup, because they're not boring enough. For how they call the game. But you know what? At the end of the day, do you play for Dallas? Are you part of the organization? No. No, I'm not either. Are you part of the Penguins organization?
1: No, but I wish I was a part of the Dallas organization, the way they're going.
0: (laughs) No, but I'm not either. People, (laughs) fans get this attachment, like, about the winning part of things. And really, we all watch for entertainment.
1: So would you rather
0: have a Dallas team where every night is a kick-ass, cool thing to watch, and maybe they don't win it all? That, to me, is fine. You're not on the team winning in the, like, it's entertainment product.
1: Be entertained. Or do do you want to be the
0: Kings and watch that 82 games?
1: Because that's, unless, Unless... You've got financial investment in what's going on on the ice for your particular team because you gamble on them. There's no, there's no reason to get there and go. I want to see two-one boring games, eighty-two games of the year. And look, there were what were there? There was there were eight goals scored in that Penguins game today, and it wasn't exciting stuff. It's not about the volume of goals. It's about the chances, and there were some glorious chances in this game, but they weren't very frequent. And you do get there and, and wonder, as Penguins fans, you've been so used to seeing freewheeling offensive teams for the last two decades and a bit when you think about it. And they finally get there and go, oh, let's play it away to win in the playoffs. And a lot of fans hate it. Like, so you've got to pick what you want. Do you want to be entertained or do you want a team to go out there and try and win the Cup? I want them to do both. But it's pretty obvious that the type of hockey that I like, until they decide to call the playoffs even a little bit more similarly to what they call the regular season, that's not going to happen. Because you can't you can't consistently try to skate around um, interference. It just it doesn't it doesn't oh, that's work that way. Fucking bullshit too. <laughs> I'm going to have to put explicit on this again. I thought we'd done really really well not to swear through this podcast, <laughs> but it is. No, I agree. I, I agree. Sorry, I, I feel strongly about that. So, so do I. It's one of those things where it's, it's the thing that I really like about Dallas. They've worked out how to get around regular season obstruction, just be fast enough with your your passing and with your skating to just avoid it altogether and just don't give the teams a chance. So they're actually backing off from Dallas because they teams can no longer afford to let that power play get on the ice. Right, So if they can do that there, it comes down to whether this team is going to be successful in the playoffs. Are they going to call it that way when they hit the ice? And I would suggest on past history, no. Yeah.
0: So for me, I, I just want to like watching the
1: actual game. There are teams that it's really difficult to watch. It's, it's a struggle to watch the Rangers um, with what they produce on the ice. Um, it's a struggle to watch LA. It really, really is. Um, and they're good. So, so the, the, thing is, they get results. Don't get me wrong. But I don't like what they do to get those wins. In regards to what you see, um, and the, the funny thing about it is that Edmonton are painful to watch for a completely different reason. They're just bad with all that talent, and a good and a good coach. They just can't put it together. They just. The errors the that we, we get angry with, with um, the youth on Pittsburgh, these guys are still making now, and a few of them shouldn't be making them. But that's from poor construction earlier on. So, you know, Calgary are painful to watch. Colorado are terrible to watch, but you go, I enjoy watching Winnipeg. They're physical, but they at least skate. Um, Chicago are always good fun to watch. Um, Tampa, when they work, are fun to watch. I'll even give Montreal credit. They're much more fun to watch this year than they have been. They actually push the play and and try to be proactive rather than reactive and relying on price. And it's a really good thing that they put that in place before price went down. Calgary's even fun.
0: With some of the players they have.
1: They're not good, but they're fun. they're, They're still a team that... Buffalo's fun. Yeah, well, they've got a coach that creates that sort of environment, though.
0: Devils are fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Devils are a funner version than they have been. Yeah, and they're doing they're doing good. Yeah, and they are getting results for that, and they do have a goaltender that will enable them to be able to be larger risk takers. If you rely on the skill set of that goalie, so it's it's one of those things where they're they're doing much better than I thought. I literally thought they'd be the front runners. Them and I thought them in Arizona would be front runners for the the thirtieth, to be honest, but um, both are, are proving me wrong in, in that aspect. So Pittsburgh fans have got to come to realize that what we're watching now is what life will be like without Sid and Gino. It yeah. will be this sort of hockey.
0: Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> this, it's the reality of it. I mean, it's one of those things, like you get there with Lemieux being a part of that concussion case, right? He wants to sell the team. This, the, selling now is right because they're selling the team high. But if he goes into that that case and absolutely cans out the hell of the NHL, that's gonna knock down the price of his purchase. Because there's gonna be a lawsuit there that is going to be extremely expensive for the NHL at some stage and prospective buyers are going to be a part of that lawsuit and paying that out. No, so right. what's gonna happen in that situation? And, you know, he's already stated he thinks the league's a garage league. And you and you and I both state that the way the game's called it's very garage like. It doesn't really let the superstars do what superstars could do, so you know. We'll he, backed, say. he backed it up. He quit. He literally retired. Yeah, but then he still came back for the money. Like that's the other thing. He didn't just quit. He came back, still dominated in one of the worst eras for offensive talent to do any good. And in his, then,
0: in his mid to late thirties.
1: Yeah, and then he comes out and suspends Matt Cook for thirty games like, because the league couldn't do it themselves. I don't know what else he can do to sort of be proactive in amongst all of this. I need to get a list of who the 30 representatives are for each individual team in the NHLPA. I have a feeling I know where they all sort of play in the lineup of the roster. Oh, and I think that's half. Yeah, the, I see where you're going. Yeah, and I think that's half the problem with the, the lack of push in regards to cleaning some of this garbage up. Um, so if anyone has it out there, can you flick it through?
0: It's it's out there somewhere. We'll yeah. Fl- we'll track it down. But yes, if you want to do the work
1: for us, be our guest. Yeah. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, all right, I I am literally out of time today. I I have to go, which sucks because this has been a really fun forty minute blast.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you are busy. We we did sneak this in. Uh, only thing that I have left to add is, uh, rest in peace, Scott Weiland of the Stone Temple Pilots. Walshie, I don't know if you were a Stone Temple Pilots fan, but I, uh, second to Fish. Oh, wow. I have seen them 10, about 10 times, and, uh, wow, what a talent he was, and, um... He battled a lot longer than most people do with that disease, and I was very disappointed to see that it ultimately caught up with him. Uh, So Scott Weiland, one of my favorites, uh, I was very sorry to see that.
1: Well, after all of that, that's probably a good way to end the podcast, somber. (laughs) It's not a celebration of uh, a
0: superstar in the music industry.
1: Brilliant. It's the way to look at it,
0: so we